Hey, this morning there's um, obviously um, school holidays and truckload of our crew were um, already on the road and holidaying with families all over the country and a bunch more are, are busy mobilising themselves, getting ready to um, go to uh, various conferences that we're running this year down in Melbourne and also in Sydney over the next couple of weeks, about I think there's, I think we're over 350 people have booked in for those conferences. So it's going to be a busy couple of weeks for us, facilitating those. So Nick and I, we would dearly love your prayers as we go and facilitate that stuff. And then I think I, I'm trying to get the exact number, but I think it's 25 or 26 folk from here are actually getting in cars and driving to conference, either in Sydney or flying or down to Melbourne across the two conferences. So well done, guys. Great job. And um, we would, again, just ask that you keep all of those events in your prayers this, this couple of weeks in particular, that God would bless the Big Vineyard family right around the country with all that he's doing. Hey, um, if you weren't here on Friday night, the youth group here put on a, an absolutely crazy fun night of um, trivia. Because I've got the microphone, I can say it. My team won. <laughs> but it wasn't because of me. <laughs> it was because we had someone on our team that knew all of the information about the Kardashians. <laughs> that got us over the line. <laughs> so anyway, and that was not, I was no help there. But anyway, <laughs> hey, we, we, had, we, had a great, we had a great time here on Friday night and the youth raised a whole bunch of money for them to be able to resource their you know their youth room and the things that they're hoping and planning to do together as a group of young people discovering Jesus together so we were very excited for that and thanks everyone that came and was a part of that it was a lot of fun a lot of laughter if you are visiting with us today make sure you grab one of these little connect cards on your way out and fill it in for us and let us know of your visit we would deeply appreciate that one all righty I'm trying to I'm a bit lost this morning I'm trying to get my bearings here but um so I'm at church <laughs> thanks Sharon oh there it is <laughs> I'm grounded now <laughs> I'm at church <laughs> help me Lord help me Lord oh dear I um I think that's it for the notices um let's uh let's grab our Bibles let's get them open and uh we're going to open them up this morning Acts chapter 9, for those of you who haven't been with us, we've been having a little bit of a conversation on this series of when God calls, when God speaks, when God um, begins to bust a move into our life and what that might look like and what that sounds like and the outworkings of that for our life. And so Acts chapter 9, before we get too deep into it though, if you're anything like me, there's been many moments in the course of our lives and my life in particular, where I find myself at these kind of hinge moments or threshold moments or crossroad moments where I have to make a decision. I have to make a, a sense of where I am, what I sense God's saying to me, and I have to make a decision. And I'm not sure if you find yourself in a season at the moment where you're having to make some big decisions, but a lot of people have been having to make decisions about their personal circumstances, their finances, their health issues and so forth, um, and relationship issues or vocational choices um, in the conversations that I'm having with people. And people are 
trying to figure out, what, what are you saying to me, God? What should I do? What's your will for me? And so this morning, I want to kind of just reach into that space a little bit because one of the things that we find ourselves living in every day is a culture that's highly geared towards individualism. It's really ramped up to the point where you can't trust anything outside of yourself anymore. You can't trust institutions. You can't trust leaders. You can't trust governments. You can't trust politicians or anyone that has a place of influence, even people in you know social media streams and influencers you can't trust them their lives are falling apart even yesterday you know one of the sort of golden couples that we hold up in Australian culture in the US with you know Hugh Jackman and and Debbie I've forgotten her surname uh, you know after 27 years Fur- Furness yeah after 27 years they've decided to um, pursue I can't remember the exact wording of their media release, but it was to pursue our individual growth. And it's like, you know, there's such pressure now coming in every direction from every voice where individualism is really very, very powerful, both as a, a worldview as well as a spiritual power. And it's in that context that you and I are living we're, we're being told, you know, you think, you know, you think, therefore you are. So just make those decisions. You can't trust anyone else and you'll be right. So I find that incredibly difficult to hold at bay, to hold that stuff at bay, especially when I'm trying to make big decisions or and even everyday decisions with what I think are sometimes small things, but really they're very significant because it's a lot of the little decisions that have a big impact over the long story. But it's, it's like, how are we making decisions? And, and I think one of the things that in this moment and in this time, I think God's actually given us this beautiful um, gift of not only um, encounter with him, but he's also given us this beautiful gift of walking with his people and he's also given us this gift of walking with his will, his kingdom cause. And so I just want to push into that because as we do that, I think we're going to actually be able to overcome some of the, just the radical pressure of individualism when we're trying to make choices in our lives. Joseph Hellerman in his book, When the Church Was a Family, he writes this, he says, We have unfortunately been socialized to believe that our own dreams, our own goals, and our own personal fulfillment ought to take precedent over the well-being of any group, our church, or any family. And I think he's really pressing, pressing on something that's very much in our face and our experience right now. We've been socialized so heavily in this direction that we've, we feel like it's our personal sense of fulfillment takes priority over the well-being of any other relationship or any other group and or even the body of Christ. And I think the Bible would want to speak into that. Let's just quickly recap. If we go to the next slide, thanks, uh, Isaac. Just You might remember the first one of this series. We, when we looked in Acts chapter 9, and if you have it in front of you there, it's, it's that story of where Saul is in hot pursuit of the Jesus people and then he gets 
a personal encounter with, with Jesus. And we see in that encounter, he, he is first and foremostly called from where he is, out from where he is, and into an, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as his Lord, as his Saviour and his King. He's, he's on the ground. There's a sense of visitation happening on his life. And he's like, who is that? He's literally groping for a sense of who is this that's overwhelming my life right now. And then he asks, is that you, Lord, with a question mark? He doesn't know. And then, and then this voice says to him, it's me, Jesus, that you're persecuting, Saul. It's me, Jesus. And so in that moment, he has this call from where he is into a relationship with Jesus. And then at the same time, as a result of being called into that relationship with Jesus, God then puts Saul in the context of relationship with Jesus' people, Ananias and a bunch of others, and disciples and apostles and so forth, as the story goes through Acts 9 and 10. And he, all of a sudden, is brought up into the fellowship of believers. As a result of meeting Christ, he is ushered into the body of Christ. Anyone that wants to push the line on me, and that people have pushed it on me for years, I can do Jesus, but I don't need the church. They're actually not, they're not living the whole truth. They're living half the story. Because Jesus saves us into himself and into the body of Christ. So much so that Paul goes on and Saul becomes Paul and he writes these amazing letters. And so much of the time he is He is encouraging people to realize you are the body of Christ. You are all part of it. You are all graced by the Spirit. You need to understand to belong to Jesus is to belong to his people. This morning I was reading just a little social media post of a guy I know, and he was was just, um, you know, shooting out there with a, um, a, a little bit of a tweet, just saying, hey, I just want you, you guys to know you're not alone you're not walking alone. You've got Jesus. And I'm, and I'm like, yes, mate, that's very true. That's very, very true. But I know the other part of this bloke's story. He doesn't belong to the body of Christ and he's fighting with isolation all the time. It's like, come on, man, that's half the story. That's half. It's, it's a bit like you and me. We, we've been born into a natural family, our natural family. We didn't get a choice about that, really, did we? We didn't get a choice to stand in the family photo with who's the uncle and who's the auntie and who's the wacky cousin down the end. We didn't get a say in any of that, but we've been born into a family. It's the same deal. When you've been born into Christ, you've been born into a family, and you don't get a say about who's in the family because that's Jesus' say. But what he does do is he begins to build his heart into us for his family. And we get to love who he loves. We get to figure out this relationship stuff in the context of being kingdom family. Jesus calls Saul to himself. He calls him into his kingdom community, the church. And then he calls him into the cause of the kingdom. And you see then the life of of Paul under the power of the Holy Spirit, fully grafted into the body of Christ. He ends up in front of church councils where the the guys are trying to scratch their heads over, Paul, you're teaching some radical stuff, man. How does all this work? You know, telling the Galatians they don't need to be circumcised. What's the deal there? You know, and so anyway, Paul's teaching all this stuff and, you know, 
nearly, nearly most of the New Testament is him writing, it, writing this out under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And every time he's writing these letters to the people of Jesus. And our, our struggle is that we read it as if he's only writing it to me. But he's, he, it, he's not just writing it to me. He's writing it to me even as I'm reading it alongside of Sharon and Sean. He's written it to me. He's written it to us. By the way, these guys, it's their wedding anniversary on Tuesday. So God's written, written us into Christ, into his body, and then into his cause. And the cause of taking the good news of Jesus to our broken world. Then if we shoot on to the next one, thanks Isaac. Um, on, the, on our second bit of teaching, we got to, when God calls us, we use John 15. If you've got your Bible there, you might want to have a quick read of John 15, where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches. And we talk about how, we were talking about how when God calls us, he chooses us and he appoints us and he commissions us. He chooses us, and in the choosing, he's saying, I'm gladly making you a part of my kingdom family. It's not like you're the leftovers, and so I'll have to make do. It's not like the sporting teams when you grew up in school and you all stood in the line, and the two captains stood out in front of you and said, I'll have so-and-so on my team, and I'll have next person took their pick, and away you went, and you just hoped that you weren't the last one left in the line. It's not like that. Jesus gladly, gladly, God has come to us, revealed himself to us in his son, gladly going to the cross to deal with everything that separates us from God and from each other, and he gladly chooses us. And that whole idea of choosing is a word that um, Jesus uses, and, and it's not just a, hey, you're, you're chosen and come and stand next to me. It's in the choosing, he's saying, I'm going to take a good grip on your life and turn it inside out and renew its purpose. It's like, I'm choosing you. I'm making you a new creation. I'm bringing you into my kingship, underneath my good kingship, my good news kingdom. I'm making you a new creation. All things are made new in Christ. You're no longer who you once were, you are a new being. But in the process of being chosen, you're being born again. And then you're coming alive to the new you in Christ. Even as he has been resurrected by faith, so too we have been. So we looked at when God calls, he chooses you and me. And then he not only chooses you and me, he chooses us. He goes, I'm going to grab this whole bunch of people here. I'm going to grab a hold of their life. I'm going to immerse it in my goodness. I'm going to empower it by my spirit. It's going to be something amazing that the world will look at and at first glance go, how on earth do they even do that? Look at those people. Who would pick a group of people to be together like that to do these kind of kingdom things like feed the poor and heal the sick and proclaim good news to, to everyone along the way? What kind of people would do that? Well, God would. God would do that. Appointed, chosen, appointed, purpose given, go and love. Love like Jesus does. And we asked ourselves a question, have I entered into the legacy of Jesus' love? Well, this morning I want to um, 
uh, if you want, you can drop back in your Bible to John chapter 4, this next little bit. Let's go on to the next slide. Thanks, Isaac. This is where I really want to just touch into these three little pointers today, that when God calls, he, he also gives us not just personal encounter, he gives us discerning community, and then he also gives us an understanding of his compassion and how that leads us in, into the decisions that we need to make for our life. I, I have just got like, believe it or not, I've had a lot of people come through my life and say, hey, this has been great. By the way, thanks, thanks for the season that's been. I'm on my way now. And I'll often ask them, I'll ask them the, the question, how did you come to the decision that it was time for you to move? So the poke the bear question. <laughs> how did you get to that? Oh, well, I just felt like it. Did you talk to anyone? No, we just, just know it. And I've got to say, with all honesty and sincerity, I think that is both wonderful and tragic all at the same time. Wonderful that we've had a sense of personal visitation and conversation with God. Tragic that we didn't discern the veracity and the fullness and the implication of what we're hearing with his people. Because if we're the body, someone says, well, I just feel like I'm on my way. It's like taking a, um, you know, to a, to a body, it's like taking a piece of the body off and saying to the body, I'm out, see you later. But the body's left hobbling because part of it's missing. It hasn't had the chance to discern, the chance to be able to together release and bless. And, and I think so many people of God are just out there swimming around in the great ocean of like the nether nether because they haven't taken the time to test what they're hearing with the ones that they've been graced to live with. You're a gift to each other. You're not a threat. Hello? <laughs> You're a gift to each other. You're not a threat to each other. I mean, praise God for that. Praise God that you don't have to play poker with each other. You don't have to keep the poker face on. You can just come as you are. You can say, hey, you know, I'm, not, I'm, trying, I'm trying to make this decision. I'm trying to figure this out. Can you help me? I think, I, I think at my best I've heard the Lord say this. What do you reckon about that? You, you're, you're for each other. You're a gift to each other. Um, in, in, in John chapter 4, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is at the well with the uh, Samaritan woman. And, you know, everyone's, his disciples have gone to get some stuff. And it's the middle of the day, so no one's there getting water because it's hot. She's a socially isolated and ostracized person. So she's going, having a, goes to the well and Jesus is there and very inappropriate, just her and him. And um, they have a conversation together and she says a few things about what she thinks God says for her life. And then he says, well, if you really knew what, you know, who you were talking to and what God's really after and what he's really looking for in terms of a people who are of spirit and truth, and and you, you don't really get the full story, dear woman. Anyways, um, he's having this encounter with them, but then with with this dear woman, and the, and the, you'll see it there. Let's just read it there. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. One of our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus says, believe me, 
A time is coming when you'll worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So Jesus is totally undoing her grid here of being able to, and giving her a new worldview. I won't go into the implications of just that one sentence, but he says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of the worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming and when he comes he'll explain everything to us and Jesus says to her I the one who am speaking to you I am he personal revelatory encounter now the on the on flow of that encounter is that all of a sudden her eyes are open to see who it is and she rushes back to her hometown to say I have just met this person who has told me everything about my life, knew me from top to bottom, inside and out, and, and has told me that the good news that the Christ is here, the Messiah is here. You need to come and see him. And so she leads all these people to Jesus. Personal encounter. Very, 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 very important. We all need personal encounter. I know just looking at the the story of the lives that are in front of me right now, the many of the personal encounter stories that you carry, these are very important. Jesus turns up into our life. God speaks into our life. God calls to us through personal encounters. And personal encounter is a very important part of figuring out how to make a decision. Not just a big decision, like, you know... When Jesus spoke to me, like the very first time that he really got a grip on my heart and turned, chose me and appointed me, you know, reached in, born again, completely transformed my life to make it for a new purpose, and I became a new creation in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. In that moment, all of a sudden, of hearing God, I had a new sense of purpose for my life. But one of the things I then did with that is I went and shared that with others to figure out, is that just me? Like the woman at the well, I went and spoke to a group of people and said, you guys have got to understand, God just rocked up into my world. This just happened. And I would often tag on the end of it, am I going nuts? Am I going crazy? Because I think God is speaking to me. Now, you just tag anything with God is speaking to me and people will put you in the silly category. But it's, 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 like, it's so important. What is and what are? Well, what are the personal encounter stories that God has spoken to you in the past? And what is the personal encounter moment that Jesus is trying to have with you today? What is he trying to say to you today? Don't just live off last, last year's revelation. That's like me checking in with my wife every two years to say, hey, how's it going? It doesn't work like that. Daily encounter. The stuff of history brought you this far. He brought you this far. But what's he saying to you today? What's that personal encounter? What's he speaking to you?
Personal encounter is very, very important. We need to have them. We need to have them for the big decisions we're making and we need to have them for the everyday decisions that we're making. What's the personal encounter that God's wanting to have with you today? And what are the ones that you need to remember from yesterday that God is reminding you of? Next slide, thanks, um, Isaac. God gives us discerning community. God has gifted us and called us into his kingdom community. He calls us to Christ. He calls us to his church. He calls us to his cause. He's called us into kingdom community. Now, Paul here is writing to the Romans. And this is just a wonderful little um, snapshot of a photo of the fact that he's writing to a people who are trying to figure out together what it means to follow God in their context. And you'll see there in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters. He's, it's very important language he's using there. Because what he's saying in that, you, that little brothers and sisters is he's saying, you, by meeting Jesus and coming into his kingdom, you've been born again and you are now part of another family. And it's not your natural family. It's your Jesus-centered kingdom of God family. And he powerfully uses, this is like the language here of brothers and sisters, is very powerful and very emotive. And deep, deep, deep solidarity. Profoundly deep solidarity. This is brothers and sisters. In view of God's mercy to... Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How often do we pray that prayer? God, just I just want your will in this circumstance. I just want your kingdom will and purpose in my situation right now. But look how we, the context of finding out the will of God for, for our individual circumstance, it's found in the solidarity of the body of Jesus' people. You know, I remember when um, I was trying to make a, a decision about um, Nicole after first meeting her. You know, I was like, man, I'm rather enamored by this woman. She's something else. Now, I know you all think she's something else, but I think she's something else again. I think she's amazing. But Nick, you know, she just walked on into the doorway of my home because her sister and brother-in-law lived next door, came to a party at my house, and after that I was, I was knocked over. That was it for me. And I, I remember distinctly coming home from university, coming home from theological college, sitting on the couch, having an afternoon snooze. I was meant to be doing my study, but I couldn't, so I had a snooze. And as I was snoozing, I had this... I, I can't I don't think it was a dream because I don't I know I wasn't in a deep sleep, but I do have a sense that it was like a visionary experience where where I was having a conversation with God. Because as I was lying there, even though I was supposed to be studying, my heart, the intelligence of of here, of my heart was saying, God, what am I meant to do with with Nicole? I absolutely love her. What are we going to do about this? And I remember having this little vision. And in this vision, 
I, I heard his voice and I saw a picture of his hands. And I knew they were Jesus' hands. It was the resurrected Jesus, but they had holes in them. You know, the resurrected Jesus has identifying scars still there, okay? He still has them today. But he showed me his hands and I heard his voice. And he said, love her like I do. Okay, I get that. He talks very simply to me because I need that. He just speaks very plainly and very simply. He showed me his hands and he said, love her like I do. And I knew that what that meant. Just to sacrificially live for her relationship with God. And so I did that. Anyway, Nick came to know Jesus not long after that, a couple of months later. But one of the things, though, in the meantime was I was like, okay, I'm taking this as a green light from you, Lord. So my next call was I'm washing the car, my car. It's amazing what guys do when they fall in love with, with girls. You know, they'll wash their car and they'll clean it and stuff. So anyway, I wash my, I'm down on the footpath washing my, my car and as I'm washing my car, my dad kind of wanders down to, to um, he was obviously wanting to have a chat to me. And before he had a chance to chat to me, I said, I said, Dad, I said, how do you know that you know when it comes to the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with? How do you know that you know? And he gave me this really great answer. He said, you'll know. <laughs> but strangely enough, that somehow comforted me. But the, 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 the point is, though, I risked asking someone else, someone that I trusted, loved, and I knew heard the Lord, and I said, and I, tr- I trusted what I thought I was hearing with them. And then after that, I took that as a, a you know, thumbs up. And, and then I went and I actually spoke to a couple of my mates who were following Jesus at, at college, you know. And I went to them and I said, guys, I've got this going on. I think this is what I've heard. My dad, I really value and trust his relationship of hearing the Lord. He said this to me. What do you think? And I let them speak to me. And that, you know, and I got everything from like, you're nuts to, yeah, we think this is, this is God. The point I'm trying to make is I risked what I believed I was hearing from a personal encounter with Jesus with other Jesus people. That is so, so important in the decision-making process, in the discerning of brothers and sisters. I'm trying to figure out, God, what's your will for my life? I need to make some decisions here, big decisions. I need to make obedient decisions, even small decisions. But they're insignificant nonetheless. But, but if, if you're at that point, that personal encounter, yes, and then take it to that next step of empowered living, which is bring it to Jesus' people. Bring it to ones that you know follow the Lord and hear his voice and have got like the character of the Holy Spirit flowing through their life and the wisdom of God. Go and, go and check it out with them and be prepared to hear what they're saying. So often we won't do that because we're fearful of what we're going to hear. But if it's the Lord on our life, if it's the Lord leading us, why would we fear? 
If the Lord's putting his people around us, why would we fear? This is what it means to be brothers and sisters. This is what it means to be. When God speaks, he gives you a discerning community. And you're going to have to risk sharing that with the people that Jesus has brought you to be among. The wisdom of others. Now, this obviously... In our moment and in this time, there are a lot of barriers to overcome to enter into that space. And the biggest one right now is cynicism in our culture. Um, Hellerman, in his book, he says this, None of this sits particularly well with emerging Christians whose socialization into a postmodern culture has rendered them irretrievably jaded and suspicious about matters such as truth claims, recognised leadership and community boundaries. These these are the things that we really need to, with the power of the Holy Spirit, overcome so that we can enter into having the joy of a discerning community. God, where where is God inviting you and me to risk sharing with one another the decisions that we're trying to navigate right now? Are you, are you still in the corner trying to figure it out for yourself? Because if you are, I would want to say, please, don't stay there. Come and enter into the middle of the room where, you, where your brothers and sisters in Christ are there to help you hear God together. Trust God with your jadedness. Trust God with the historical times that it's gotten wrong, gone wrong or it's left you wound, wounded. Trust God that he, he, he is with you and he is with his people and his spirit is upon us. All right, last one. The compassion of God. Often when we're trying to figure out, is that you, Lord, or I need to make a decision, sometimes it's like um, we don't get visions, we can't hear, we it's like our receptivity is a little um, blocked up because we're, we're trying to get it all straight in our cognitive capacities. There's this beautiful gift from God called the compassion of God. And I just want to touch on this because I think this is another wonderful way in which the Lord helps us to figure out that it's Him beckoning us toward what he's calling us to do. Whether it's a personal choice or a a corporate choice, the choice of a fellowship of believers. Now, in Isaiah 49, Isaiah the prophet, this is a great scripture, he's writing to a people who have been decimated, a people whose lives have just gone all awry after, you know, seasons of great, Um, favor of God and being a nation of people and then it's all they're living in exiled situations and it's all gone terribly wrong and then this prophetic voice comes along from God um, Isaiah and he starts to prophesy about how there's going to come this king and this king he's actually going to be more like a shepherd and in fact he's going to be a shepherd king And you're going to know it's the king 
because he's going to shepherd people. And it's, and it's interesting. He, he uses there, he says there in 49.10, he says, the shepherd king's going to come along, and as a result of that, they will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. This shepherd king, this messianic figure, this God saviour is going to come and the fruit of his coming will be the compassion of God to lead us from where we are and into the generosity of his shepherding, of his lordship. What has compassion got to do with that? Well, we can see there that he who has compassion on them, he's, what Isaiah is saying is the God of the, the shepherd king God, the Messiah, he is a compassionate king, a compassionate shepherd. And it's so often the case that if it's the compassion of God that leads us into what God's doing. He's generously leading us into what he's doing, the people that he's seeking to love, the, the places that he needs you to go to, the way that you need to utilize the resources that he's filling our lives with. It's the compassion of God that leads us into the life of the shepherd king. Now, Jesus, if you want to pick up on this, Jesus, you go fast forward all the way into um, Mark's gospel in Mark chapter 6, Jesus, Jesus has um, just got off a boat with the, with the crew, the guys. They've, they've all got off the boat and they've landed on this um, hillside and, he, and before they're out of the boat, there's like, there's 5,000 men plus their families on the hillside. Now, as he gets out of the boat, Jesus gets out of the boat, and he looks at all of these people. And in Mark chapter 6, he says to them, have a good look at them, people. Have a good look at them, guys. Verse 34 of Mark 6, when he landed, he saw this large crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So now Jesus is taking the promised prophetic declaration that when the king of the kingdom comes to make all things new, the shepherd God, the shepherd man, the shepherd king, who's going to bring good news for everyone, that's going to lead them to springs of water, that's going to guide them, that's going to, even in the most difficult of circumstances where it feels like the sun's beating down and the challenges are hard and arduous, the shepherd king's going to come. And Jesus is saying, in that statement, Jesus is manifesting the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. The shepherd king's here. He looks at them all and he has compassion on them. Compassion, it's an interesting word. <coughs> I can't say it in the Hebrew or the Greek. But it's there if you want to look it up. <laughs> My Australian English skills don't quite catch it. But it literally means to be wrenched in the deepest of your bowels. 
It means to be, you know, like the deepest part of a human physical body, that deep wrenching sensation that can take place in the bowels that then affects the whole body. That's what the compassion of God does. God's wrenched in the deepest part of who he is to move toward those that need the shepherd and the shepherd king's good news. This, this, I believe, is a gift from God to figure out where, where do you need me, God? Where do you need me? What, who do I need to love like you love? If I'm going to enter into this legacy of, of loving like you do, as if, if I'm going to trust that I'm hearing you, please, please help show me the way. And if you do that, the Spirit of the Lord will birth compassion in us for the people around us. And it will look like, these, it will look like little things. It'll look like the awareness of the person that you're somehow next to in the shopping queue and they, you just get that crazy sensation in your, deep in your guts. It's like, why am I interested in their welfare in this moment? And the thing that you think to do is to, I don't know, pay for some of their groceries. The compassion of God will lead you there. The compassionate king will lead you into what God is wanting to do with your life. Look for, listen, and feel the compassion of God. If you're trying to make a decision right now about reaching towards certain groups of people, if you're trying to figure out how do I utilize the resources that you've given my life, God, listen for the shepherd king and his compassion. And then shit, then go back up the chain. Not back up the chain, back along the line. Go back to the people that you're living amongst. Say, you know what? My heart is really wrenched for this group of people. Do you think I'm crazy? Or is it the Lord? Share it with each other. Figure it out together. And then back along the line. Lord, is that you? That's the question that Saul asked in Acts 9. Is that you, Lord? And have the personal encounter. Sometimes it goes from compassion to the body to personal encounter. Other times it goes from personal encounter to the body to the acts of compassion. Either way is fine. But all three, I believe, all three of those realities and elements are gifts from God in making decisions. So let's just stop for a moment and let's think about what is the big decision that you are trying to make at this time? You know the ones that kind of kept you up last night when you're trying to sleep and it's just running through your head? The ones that you maybe are trying to avoid because it's like, it means I have to get real with this stuff. Is it a relationship? Is it, is it a choice of obedience where God's asking you to do something and you think it's so small, it's, oh, it's just insignificant. But he's just looking for obedience because you prayed that prayer once, you know. God, put in my heart what's on your heart. That's, the, that's like asking the shepherd king to put his heart in your heart and you'll begin to feel for that stuff that he feels about.
What's the question? What's the decision? What's the, the very circumstance that you're in right now? God is deeply, deeply, deeply interested in speaking into you and into that circumstance and into that decision and choice right now. And for some of us, it's, it's compassion. I need to bring it to the people I'm walking with and let them help me hear God and then lead me to a personal encounter with God. And for some of us, it's I'm having a personal encounter with God. You need to bring it to your people and go, am I crazy or is, is this the Lord? I think it's the Lord. And it will lead you into the compassionate work of, of the shepherd king. Make sense? I hope so. I really do. I really hope so. I really pray that this, these, these, when Jesus calls us, he calls us to himself, he calls us into his church, and he calls us into his cause, his kingdom cause. Why don't, why don't we just pray for a minute here? Let's just pray to wrap this up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for our lives. I thank you that you so powerfully have revealed your love to us through, through the sending of the shepherd king, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We're so glad that you've interrupted our life with your presence and your power, with your good news, and you've, you've birthed new life in us. You're giving us purpose and vision. Jesus, I pray in this moment for personal encounter for each of us, there's decisions we've all got to make today. Some of us came into the room today and it's really pressing. I need to make a choice. I need to make a decision. Oh, Shepherd King, would you come? Would you come? Would you speak so generously and life with life and power? to the people of Jesus here. Come, Shepherd King. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We love how you connect us to Jesus and the Father. Just forgive us, Lord, where we've shied away from some of this stuff. Set us free. Now let your empowering come. Let your empowering come. Empower us now. I'm just going to wait here for a, just a few seconds because I sincerely believe Jesus wants to speak to each and every one of us about those big decisions that are right in front of us today. So just close your eyes just for a moment and let's give ourselves just a, just a minute to hear from our Shepherd King.
Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you give us the courage and the boldness to act on what we've heard. Just give us courage and boldness. And Lord, I also pray like just a massive grace, just a blanket of grace over the body of Jesus in this place to be able to sit with people and and discern together the voice of the Lord. Just a, yeah, a safe and wonderful, empowering grace. We let it rest deeply and richly over this place, Father. We ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.